Uh, well, good day, everyone. My name's Kevin, if I haven't met you before. It's great to see you here. I had the privilege of sharing God's Word with you tonight. Uh, so why don't we pray and ask for God's help in that. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that we can gather together as your people, that we can gather together to hear you speak. And may we be people, may we be a people who listen to you, who take to heart what you have to say to us, and may we obey it for your honour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, well, as many, would, many of you would know, in our, uh, our gospel teams this term, we've been looking at this resource, the search, uh, which was produced in conjunction with the Jesus Brings Mission, and you'll see the, the logo up on the screen. So if you're not familiar with this little book, uh, it's basically Luke's Gospel, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, but it also has a few extra things. It's got some uh, links to some videos that deal with questions that you might uh, ask as you read the Bible. Uh, it's also got some highlights, uh, some uh, sort of comments in the margins, some questions, discussion, uh, things like that. And the goal of our Bible studies this term is for as many people as possible to read this with someone who is not yet a Christian. So that's why in our small groups we've spent time uh, reading it together, particularly thinking about how someone who is not yet a Christian, how they would respond to the videos or to what we're reading. And it's also why we've committed to praying in our small groups, praying for our non-Christian contacts, praying that God would give us opportunities to speak to them, praying that God would be at work in their life, particularly giving them eyes to see that Jesus really is the King. And as I think about our small group that meets on, meets on Wednesday night, it's been a really encouraging experience. We haven't seen anyone reading the search with a non-Christian yet, but we're praying that that will happen. But what we have seen is God answer prayers uh, in lots of little ways. We've seen people have encouraging conversations. Uh, one of the girls uh, gave the search to her friend and is hoping to follow her up and ask her if she'd be willing to read it with her. And it's been great to see a, a, a renewed enthusiasm for the task of mission. But while it's been encouraging, this term's also really reminded me that mission is hard. That as we read through Luke's gospel and we think about different questions and objections that a non-Christian might raise, it reminds me of a, a particular person that I've been praying for. I've been praying for him for, for quite a long time. And as I think about these objections, it just seems, humanly speaking, so unlikely that they would be willing to read this with me. That they would be able to overcome these kind of objections to Christianity and come to accept Jesus as Lord. It's reminded me that that mission is really hard. We want to see people around us come to know Jesus, but the task is hard. I wonder if that's been your experience. Perhaps you've had uh, disappointments and setbacks as you've gone about the task and seeking to proclaim Jesus to those around us. And each night at Bible studies, we're reminded that mission is hard. Well, we remember that well, God is big. He's worked in the lives of many of us here and he is able to work in the lives of those around us. And so it keeps driving us back to prayer. But what we see is that mission has always been hard. Uh, as uh, Dave mentioned, over the next couple of weeks we'll be looking at a few different passages from Luke's Gospel. And tonight in Luke chapter 10 we see Jesus gather 70 of his disciples and send them out in the task of mission. And do you remember how he describes the task in verse 3? He says... I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Not a very positive description, isn't it? 
Sounds like this mission is going to be hard for them too. And so hopefully tonight as we look at Luke chapter 10, it will encourage us in our task of mission as we seek to proclaim Jesus to those around us. And what we'll see is the motivation for mission for these disciples is to recognise that the need is great. Or as Jesus puts it in verse 2, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. See, Jesus tells his disciples to look out on the world and to see that there are lots of people who have not yet welcomed Jesus as king. They're to see that the harvest is abundant, but they're also to see that the workers are few. Now, Jesus is, imagine he's got 70 people gathered before him. Seems like quite a big number, right? But when you think of the incredible number of people they were to go and tell the gospel to, well, Jesus describes it. He says, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. There are many people who need to hear the message, but few people to take it to the people. And so confronted with the enormity of this task, confronted with the challenge of mission, what are the disciples to do? Have a look in verse 2. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And it makes sense, isn't it, that as we begin the task of mission, we should pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest belongs to him. But then what are the disciples to pray? That God would send out workers. That God would send out people. In this case, the 70. See, the usual way that God brings people into his kingdom is not to zap them from heaven so they suddenly become a disciple of Jesus. But the usual way that God works is through his people, people proclaiming the message of the kingdom. And in this case, the time that Luke is writing about, it was these 70 disciples. And so they are to pray. And in verse 3, Jesus tells them, go, go out into the mission field. Now, how are they to go? Well, they're to go in pairs. They're not to take much with them. They're to travel lightly. This is a, a mission of urgency. They're to go from town to town, house to house, knocking on the door and say peace to this household. If they're welcomed in, they're to go in, eat the food that's set before them, heal the sick and proclaim that God's kingdom has come near you. On the other hand, if they knock on the door, say peace to this household and are not welcomed, then what are they to say? They're to go out into the streets and say, we are wiping off as a witness against you even the dust of your town that clings to our feet. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. They are wipe the dust of their feet as a symbol of God's judgment against that town who rejects them. And what I think is important as we think about this mission for these 70 disciples is just to flick forward to a moment to verse 16 that comes a little bit later. And what we see here is that these 70 disciples, in a a kind of a unique way, a way a little bit different to us, they are representatives of Jesus. So have a look in verse uh, 16. Jesus tells them, "Uh, Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. And so you can see these disciples are acting as representatives of Jesus. And I think this helps us understand the mission of the 70 uh, in four ways. So firstly, it shows the significance of these towns welcoming the disciples. If they're to knock on the door, say peace to this house and are welcomed in, then that household is effectively welcoming welcoming Jesus. 
And so Jesus says that he will welcome them into his kingdom. But secondly, I think it also helps us understand why they're given authority to heal. Remember the households they're welcomed into, Jesus says, heal the sick. Now for Jesus and his ministry on earth, he was constantly healing people. And he healed people as a sign of his authority. So you might remember Luke chapter 5, when Jesus healed the paralytic. Remember the man lowered through the roof? He healed him to show that he had authority to forgive sins. And so for these disciples, as they go out as representatives of Jesus, they too are given this authority to heal, to show that they represent this same Jesus. And I think it's a similar kind of thing uh, of why they're given authority to drive out demons. And we see this in verse 17. So if you just flick over to verse 17. When the 70 disciples returned, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Or in verse 19, Jesus affirms them and says, Look, I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. These 70 disciples are given authority to drive out demons. But if we think about Jesus and his ministry, he too drove out demons. And why? Well, if we look over at chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus says, he says, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. See, Jesus' ministry of driving out demons, that was a sign. A sign that God's kingdom was coming. And it was also a sign that Satan's kingdom was divided and would fall. And so for these disciples, they were given that authority as representatives of Jesus. And as these 70 disciples went out driving out demons, they were to show too that God's kingdom was coming, that Satan's kingdom was divided and so would fall. I think that's what Jesus is getting at in verse 18 with that kind of puzzling verse that he says. He says to the disciples, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. I think he's talking about how the disciples go out are driving out demons. They are demonstrating that Satan's kingdom is divided and will fall. But the fourth thing, thinking about the disciples as these representatives of Jesus, helps us understand the seriousness for those towns who reject Jesus, or sorry, who reject the disciples who come in his name. So have a look again at verse, uh, wait, wait, verse uh, 11. So for those who do not welcome the disciples, the Jesus, Jesus uh, sorry, for those who don't welcome the disciples, the disciples ought to say, know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. Now it's interesting, isn't it? That message is almost the same of what they're to say to those who welcome the disciples. Except there's one difference. Can you see what it is? One word difference. Anyone know what it is? Have a look. One word. Have a look. Okay, hang on. You! Yes, that's right. So for those who welcome the disciples... They are to say, the kingdom of God has come near you. But those who reject the disciples, the disciples will say, know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. Okay, one word difference, you. And what this shows us is, regardless of how people respond, the kingdom of God is still coming. Jesus is still the king. 
The difference is, is for those who welcome the disciples as representatives of Jesus, they will be welcomed into God's kingdom. But those who reject the disciples, well, they will find themselves outside of the kingdom. They will find themselves as enemies of the king. And we see the seriousness of this, the seriousness of the consequences in verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Sodom, the great town of immorality in the book of Genesis, the town that was destroyed by burning sulfur that faced God's judgment. These really are quite chilling words from Jesus. I tell you, on that day, the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The seriousness of God's judgment is expanded in verses 13, 14 and 15. As Jesus speaks about these three Jewish towns, Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. And he he, he condemns them. He condemns them. Why? Because they rejected Jesus. And he says the consequences of that will be severe. And so we've seen from Luke chapter 10, we see how these words apply to the 70 disciples, don't we? Jesus has gathered together them and he said to them, recognize the need for mission. And he sent them out to go, proclaiming the king. But one of the interesting questions you have to think about is, well, how do they apply to us? So these words recorded for us to Luke are really addressed to the 70 disciples. And because Jesus spoke it to the 70 disciples, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's speaking them directly to us. See, we're not called to go out in pairs, out into the streets of Cogra, knocking on the door, saying, peace to this household, and if people don't welcome us and offer us food, then we're to wipe the dust of our feet in the streets. Okay, we're not called to do that. That was the mission of the 70. And so we need to think carefully about, well, as we read about Luke's report of what happened on that day, well, how does it speak to us as Christians today? And when we think about it, well, Luke's gospel is all about telling us who Jesus is. And what do we see? And particularly tonight, we see the seriousness of rejecting Jesus. It makes us think really carefully about ourselves. Have we welcomed Jesus into our life? Have we accepted him as our saviour and our king? Because if we haven't, if we are rejecting Jesus, like those who rejected the disciples when they went out, and we see the consequences are really quite severe. Have a look again at verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. If you have not yet welcomed Jesus, can I encourage you to do that? To turn to him, put your trust in him and accept him as your king. But of course, Luke chapter 10 also encourages us in the task of mission today. As Christians, we know we have a mission. We want to see many people come to know the Lord Jesus. And while we're not to necessarily go about it in the same way as the 70 disciples, we can still be encouraged that the need is great. If we look out on our world today, we can ask that question. Is the harvest still abundant? And are the workers still few? So it's worth thinking for a moment about our world today. Uh, Is that still true? 
Is the harvest still abundant and are the workers still few? Well, think about the harvest for a moment. Uh, Are there still people in our world who have not yet welcomed the Lord Jesus? Okay, think about it for a moment. Is that true? Yes, it is. There are hundreds, there are an incredible number of people who don't know the Lord Jesus. If you'd like to think about this more, I can give you a piece of homework. Okay, what you need to do is go out to a public space, say a train station. It's a good place to do that. There's a seat there. Just sit down and watch people as they walk past you, people who live in your local area. Okay, and as they walk past, just think to yourself, how many of them do you think know and trust the Lord Jesus? And if you are to do that, you will be confronted with the truth that the harvest is abundant. Now, that doesn't mean that it will be easy. To say the harvest is abundant doesn't mean it will be easy. I mean, it was hard for the disciples, right? These 70 back then. It's not saying that there's lots of people who are ready to become Christians, but it's saying there are lots of people who need to turn to Jesus. But what about the second part? Are the workers still few? Well, first we need to think about, well, who are the workers today? We know who the workers were in the time of Luke chapter 10. They were the 70. But who are the workers today? So we think about workers being sent out into God's harvest field. Who do we think of? We think of, we think of missionaries. Surely they are the workers today. And yes, that is true. If we think the situation's bad in Sydney, well, can I tell you, in Australia, the har- uh, sorry, outside of Australia, around the world, the harvest is incredibly abundant. There are lots of people who need to know the Lord Jesus. And you, so yes, missionaries are workers, like, say, kings in Veronica Box who came before. But then what about the harvest field in Sydney? I mean, we know there's lots of people in Sydney who need to hear the good news of Jesus. So who are the workers? And we naturally think, oh, I must be talking about ministers, people like me, Kevin, or like Troy, or Phil, or Jason, or Brendan, or whoever it is, right? And that's true. Yes, we are workers in the harvest. But can I say there are more workers? All Christians, all of you are called to be workers in God's harvest. All of you are given the task to go out and proclaim the message of the Lord Jesus. That is a task for all of us here. And if you think about our church, we've got about, say, 500 adults in our church. You think, wow, that, that sounds pretty good, right? 500? That's a lot of workers. Certainly more than the 70 in Luke chapter 10. But then when you think about well, how many people who live around us, say there's about 30,000 in our local area, people living here. So if you do the maths, it works out about 1 in 60. Okay, So one member of St George North for 60 people in the community. Here tonight, there's probably about, say about 120, maybe a little bit less. So you can imagine two people coming up to the stage and looking out and saying, yes, this is my harvest field. Okay, Two people with that task of reaching all of you. And when you think about it, it's incredible, isn't it? The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Now you might say, but there's other churches, right? And that's true, there are other churches in our area. But there's not many other churches. And I don't think any of them are as big as our church. 
And so even if we double or triple or quadruple the number of people who come and stand on the stage, say we had eight people standing here, okay, the point still stands, doesn't it? As we look out on our world, we need to recognise that the need is still great. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. And what are we to do in the face of the enormity of this challenge? Well, the same as the disciples. Our first response is to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest belongs to him. And if nothing else tonight, I hope this passage encourages you to pray. To pray that God would pour out his spirit on those around us. That God would be a work in our community, in our schools, the places that we work, bringing many people to himself. That they might come to know the joy of knowing Christ. I hope this passage encourages you in that. But it pushes us further, doesn't it? What were the disciples to pray? That God would send out workers. And so for me, as I read that verse, as I pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest, who am I praying for? I'm praying for you. You sitting here tonight. That God would send you. Perhaps he would send you overseas. That would be great. Perhaps God will send you into full-time ministry. That would be great. But for most of us, God will send us out into, well, out into our community, out into our places of work, out into our schools, out into the places that we shop, out into our sporting teams. He sends us as workers into his harvest that we would share the wonderful news that we know, that Jesus is our saviour, and that he is our king. And so we need to think tonight, will we accept that task? Will we count ourselves as workers in God's harvest? As a church, we want to help you in that. That's why in our Bible studies, we've been looking at the search. We want to encourage you to be workers in your harvest, that you would go out uh, and look for opportunities to read this with those around us. But as we think about mission... We do need to be realistic. So remember those towns that Jesus spoke about? Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. They were towns that Jesus did incredible miracles in. And yet how did they respond? They rejected Jesus. And so as we go out into the harvest field, well, we should expect that some people will not listen. They will reject us. But friends, that's okay. Our job is to be a faithful proclaimer of the gospel and we trust that god will bring results well a great place for us to finish tonight is in verse 20 the final verse that we had read out before you skip over you might remember in verse 17 the 70 returned they say they return with joy lord even the demons submit to us in your name but then have a look at verse 20 jesus says however don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And friends, isn't that the great joy that we know as Christians? That because we trust in the Lord Jesus, we know that our names are written in heaven and that we can look forward to life forever with God. 
And of course, it's remembering that that really encourages us and motivates us in mission because that's what we want to see for the people around us. The harvest is abundant, yes, and we want them to know the joy of knowing Christ, of knowing their names written in heaven. But I think this also encourages us as we find mission hard. As we find mission hard and we have setbacks and disappointments, we can remember that our names are written in heaven. Why? Well, because we trust in Jesus. It's not a matter of how many people we convert or how effective we are as missionaries in our mission field. But our names are written in heaven because we trust in the Lord Jesus. Not because of what we do, because of what he has done. And I think that's a great message of assurance for us as we think about the task of mission today. Well, for the 70 disciples, they were to see the need for mission. And hopefully you've seen tonight that there is still a need for mission. And it's an enormous need. So how should we respond? We should pray. And that would be a great thing to do now. Let's join together in prayer. Uh, heaven, our Father in heaven, we pray to you as the Lord of the harvest. Father, we pray that you would bring many people who live around us and whom we know, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus. Help us to see ourselves as workers in your harvest. Help us to be faithful proclaimers of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would bear great fruit for your kingdom. And as we find mission hard, Help us to remember that our names are written in heaven, not because of what we do, because of what Jesus has done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.